You're listening to the Diary Discoveries podcast brought to you by Sally'sDiaries.com. Now here's your hosts, Sally Ivey and Jeff Richards. Welcome back to more Diary Discoveries. And before we get started with this episode, we'd like to thank everyone that reached out and gave us some nice positive feedback about the last four episodes. It was really appreciated. It was so appreciated. The comments that we read and then the people that we've talked to that have heard our first four episodes, um, yeah, just blessed my heart. Blessed both of us. So thank you so much. All right. Well, in this episode, we are going to be going up to a place called Pingree Park in Colorado. 9,000 feet in elevation. 9,000 feet. And you know, Colorado... I had never been until my daughter had moved there, and uh, the first place I visited was Estes Park, and that is an incredible town in a valley that's just right at the base of the Rocky Mountain National Park, and you follow the Big Thompson River, I believe, and so I've been there three times and other places in Colorado, and it's, it's become one of my favorite places to visit, so this diary, because it's from Colorado, just makes it that much more special. Well... We should tell you where Pingree Park is, and it's uh, southeast of Fort Collins and just north of Estes Park. So it sits north of the National Park borders. Right. And it was uh, a burned-out area that a man by the name of Hugh Ramsey was able to homestead. Back in the 1890s, I believe. 1897 Mm -hmm. is when they went up there. But he had seen it before that on a hunting trip. Hugh came from Nebraska, and he, I believe, already had met his wife, Drusilla, or met his soon-to-be wife, Drusilla, because then in 1892, they were married, or 1891. Well, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's talk about the diary. Well, it's a rather large diary, which is wonderful because there's a lot of room for our author to write on the pages. And the dates represent 1916 and 1917. And our author is Hazel Bell Koenig. And there are actually two people writing in this diary. Her husband, Frank, wrote a brief period of time. And he wrote, I believe, started May 1st, which is their Orion, their first child's first birthday, And then Frank only wrote until July, the first part of July, and that's when Hazel took over. So it is kind of a rare thing to have a diary where husband and wife both write in it. That is. You will be able to see a picture of this diary on Sally's website, sallysdiaries.com. She added a podcast extra page, and we're going to put a few photographs of the current episode on there to just kind of help if people are interested to go and look at it. Yeah, I've got some photos on there that show just how the writing looks. There's also some pages that Frank, her husband, he drew some of his, I think, inventions. He did a snowshoe on there and stuff like that. So there'll be that, photos of the authors themselves, which are so cool. And then from our last episode, we decided to also put... Uh, photos from the shipwreck diary that we had. So this is kind of a new addition, but since so many people were telling us they were looking things up themselves, we thought we'd add this. Yeah, so again, that's sallysdiaries.com to look for that. So we're going to give you some background on Hazel and her family. 
Her father was Hugh Ramsey. Mm-hmm. He was born in Nebraska in 1862. And he moved out towards Colorado and started building brick houses. He was a bricklayer by trade. And he built some of the first brick houses in Loveland, Colorado. And one of these days when you and I get to Colorado, I want to go to Loveland to see if some of those houses still exist. That would be so cool. Yeah. So then... 1891, he married Drusilla, Hazel's mother, and they married here in Colorado. Well... Here in Colorado? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I do that every time. Isn't that funny? It is, because you have to know that uh, when I start researching and reading a diary, I really get into it. And so in my mind, I'm in Colorado right now, but I'm actually in Washington State. So we'll just clarify that. Yeah. Well, that's funny. So yeah, they, they move out to Colorado. They're building. He's working. Family's being born. And then one day he goes hunting. He's up over 9,000 feet up in the Rocky Mountains, and he comes across this burned-out area where a fire had swept through, and he comes up with an idea that, boy, this would be a great place to homestead Mm -hmm. and build a sawmill. So he applies for homestead. Him and his brother each received 160 acres, and he goes to work. He starts building a cabin, building the sawmill. And one of the things he did that was truly impressive was he dug a mile-long irrigation ditch by hand where he could run water to power the sawmill wheel. A mile-long by hand. That's just, that's incredible. Highly industrious. Yeah, and then um, if you go to sallysdiaries.com, of course, um, on the podcast extra page, you'll see a picture of that water wheel. So that's kind of fun to look at. So now life is going on, and they're working, and Hazel's been born in 1895. Mm-hmm. She, there was one baby before that, her older brother, and he was born in 1892, and that was Bradford. And now we're up to 1895, Hazel's birthday, and it was she is Hazel Bell Ramsey. And when she was two, they moved on to the mm-hmm. property. So she spent the majority of her life up there. She really did. We kind of know, well, no, not kind of, we know exactly how she felt about living up there because a very special thing happened to us a couple of days ago. Yeah, we were researching. Uh, Sally was on her computer and I was on mine and we were just looking up background on this. And I was deep into the Rocky Mountains or something, the National Park, and all of a sudden I heard a voice. You did. I um, have researched and read this diary probably five years ago. And so it kind of goes to show you that your research is never done. You know, I thought I had learned as much as I could about this family. And I must have put her name in the web search engines just a certain specific way. And there it was, an uh, interview Hazel had done in 1974. And it was an hour-long interview about her life. And I didn't tell Jeff, I just started playing it for him. And the surprised look on your face when you turned and looked at me and you said, oh my gosh, is that Hazel? And I had tears in my eyes. Yeah, it was really moving because you said, this has never happened in all the time I've been researching diaries. I have never heard the voice of somebody's diary I was reading. It's hard for me to say because it's bringing tears to my eyes now. 
I have never heard the voice of one of the authors of one of my diaries. And to hear her voice, um, it was it was surreal, is what it was. And so that's why not only is her diary the history of what her life was during those two years, but we now have, through her own words, what life was like. So you're going to get to hear her voice right now. Well, I was, I was born in 1895, mm-hmm. December the 8th, in Loveland, Colorado. Uh-huh. My father came from Nebraska out here and was a bricklayer and made his own bricks in Loveland for several uh-huh. years before he came up and found this burnt over and then he wanted to homestead and he wrote back to Mother if they lived in Iowa that he would have found the place he wanted to call his home. So in the two years I've known Sally, she's told me about how she gets into these diaries so deep that she almost knows these people. And I have had the same experience with this one. I was reading the diary. I felt like I knew her. I was imagining things, how life was. And then to hear her voice, Mm -hmm. it kind of blew me away. And thank you for that, because that's what Jeff and I are trying to also give the listeners here in this podcast, that you can start actually feeling like you're there and know these people intimately. So that's cool. Well, and we'd like to thank the Fort Collins Museum of Discovery for that clip. Mm -hmm. They gave us permission to use it, and the uh, interviewer was Jonathan Anderson. And we've uh, got a a reach out to him, and we'll see if we can connect with him uh, maybe for a later update podcast or something. Yes. And there's going to be a link on Sally's website, again, on Podcast Extras, to the whole interview if you would like to listen to it. It's so, so worth it. it. It was really good. It's and really she's good. a feisty little she gal. She's a feisty little gal. And you'll get to, uh, you'll understand a little bit more about Hazel through her entries and some other things we found out to realize just how feisty she was. So they made a life up there at 9,000 feet. And you can imagine that it was not easy. There was a lot of work to do for the parents. They have young children. Hazel was a small child and grew up in this life. Yeah, yeah. Two years old. From then on, she grew up living in the cabin with the family. And think about it, in the Rocky Mountains, on all those acreage, you know, lots of snow, lots of snow, and yeah, the weather played one a year, huge... Remember, one year, they talked about having over nine feet of snow. Nine feet of snow. And she talked about uh, just the... You've got to listen to this interview. It's incredible about the moon shining on it and just trudging through it. Here's a clip from the interview that we wanted to play for you. Well, thinking back, back to when you were a you were a child and stuff. Can you remember, like, what kind of things you did in your spare time when you were yeah. a youngster? Mm-hmm. What what to do around here? <laughs> I played outside when it was nice enough and the wind wasn't too cold. And yeah. I'd see the snow coming over the mountain. I'd say, Mom, it's snowing on the wange. On the what? On the wange, on the range. Oh, the wange, yeah. And I'd, I'd get my hands cold and come in. Yeah. And my hands chapped so bad. And then in the, in the winter... From what we know about Hazel and her early life, you know, when she was between two and five and six years old, from the interview and from the diary itself, this was 
possibly the only childhood that Hazel got to experience because life really changed when she turned six years old. She lost one of her siblings at six in 1901, and in 1902, another sibling passed away, and both of them passed away from diphtheria. And Hazel speaks about it in her interviews, saying that she almost died herself, as did another brother, but they saved them. To lose two siblings by the time you're seven years old to diphtheria, that had to been just life-changing. Well, it took a toll on her mother. She decided, I've had it, mm-hmm. and she moves into town. And before she did, Hazel talks about they had to burn the house down uh, because of the infection they believed was all over the household goods and clothing and stuff. So Hazel's home was also burnt around this time because of diphtheria. And then mom moved into town. And they spent some time with her in town Mm -hmm. and also back up at the property. But then in 1907, mom dies. Mom dies. And another sister, both in 1907. So from what? The age of six, she loses three siblings and her mother by the time she was 10 years old. Right. And then they move back up to the property, and Hazel is now the eldest daughter, and she's running the household. She's uh, Yeah, she even talks about how she had to learn to bake the bread. It took her a while, but she had to learn to bake the bread. And she's taking care of her siblings. And it's almost like she had to be mother. And life truly changed for her at that moment. So for the next four years, Hazel is basically running the household for her father, taking care of her brothers. She does this, and people would come and go to visit, stay, friends, relatives, people hunting Mm -hmm. and trapping in the area. And there was a man that came by and stayed one winter with them, and then he went back up to Alaska to prospect. Then he came back. Well, he That was the winter of 1911 and 1912, those winters. And he had his eye on Miss Hazel. He did. He worked for Hugh. And in 1913, August of 1913, the couple got married. Hazel was 17 and Frank was 30. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So now she's no longer taking care of the family exactly. She's also married. Well, she's doing it all. She is. And she's still so young, 17 years old. People grew up faster back then. They took on a lot more responsibility because you had to, it seems. You had to, yeah. And I know there had to have been, well, there was, as we listened to her and learned more, there were times that she, you know, between the lakes and going out in the fields and picking herbs. And at one point we remember, I remember her saying she collected butterflies. I know there were wonderful moments too, but life was also very difficult and there was a lot of work to be done. Well, including when she had her first child. Orion. O-R-I-O-N, and that was May 1st, 1915, he was born. Well, also in 1913, there was another significant event up by their property. Colorado State University was able to get some land from the federal government, and they chose 
the property right next to the Koenigs or the Ramseys. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, so it was both. And so that starts a whole nother chapter with the addition of more people coming up there and the changes to the surroundings. Some were positive and some were not. That kept them all pretty busy with all that going on. It really did. The college up there in 1913, Hazel getting married that same year, and their house burning down. I mean, <laughs> what a year. Yeah. We, well, we failed to mention that the college is still there. It's thriving. It's uh, an extension of Colorado State University. So if you go to Pingree Park, that's mostly what you're going to see up there. But there are hiking trails. We also found an incredible book. Yeah, the book's called Walking into Colorado's Past, 50 Front Range History Hikes by Ben Fogelberg and Steve Grinstead. And we were able to find the hike to Pingree Park Yeah, mentioning the Koenig's Ramsey Ranch. Yeah, it's a beautiful book, too. I mean, it's very informative. It talks about, shows you how, you know, where to take the hikes, where to start, and it gives you um, the history behind each place. And it'll also show pictures of that area. And it's a gorgeous place up there at Pingreek Park. Yeah, there's a beautiful photograph of the Ramsey Koenig Barn on the Pingree Valley Loop. Wow. So, yeah, that's on our bucket list, it's I guess. It's on our bucket list. We plan to go up there. So get that book, too, if you're you know, interested. All right. Well, moving on. Well, Frank and Hazel are at the homestead. And two years later, after their marriage, uh, May 1st, 1915, their first son, Orion, is born. And now it's taking us to actually the diary uh, that we have of Hazel's and Frank's. Remember, the diary is 1916 and 1917. And I found a fun passage that I'd like to read, and it talks about Hazel and her son, and it kind of gives you an idea of just how life is up there at the cabin. When Hazel first starts taking over the diary, she starts almost writing like letters or entries to her son, and then she just continues on and writes her daily activities from there on out. But this one's like one of those letters she wrote to her son, and it's on June 19th, 1916. You helped mother plant the garden today and skinned your cheek. You are having all kinds of bad luck lately. I put my clothes to soak today, baked a cake, cleaned out my cupboards, helped to dig a ditch for irrigating the yard, but Daddy finished it so the water would run in it and gave your bath, which you have had every day of your little short life so far. You are very full of mischief and get into everything you can find. As you can tell with that last entry, and that's just briefly some of the things that Hazel had to do just on a daily basis. So what I did is uh, as I was reading the diary, I started jotting down some of the things that Hazel uh, had to do during her day. And um, as I mentioned before, she loved collecting butterflies and selling those. She also would collect herbs and sell the herbs. She tried to make a living. She was a taxidermist. So all the furs that came in, she also stuffed those. Um, She sewed quilts rented out cabins uh, to 
people, local prospectors and people that came up there. She sewed a lot. She set up a tent one year. I think this was in 1917 because they had so many guests and she built her own shelves inside this tent. So um, made dandelion wine. She talked about sometimes when she'd go to the lakes, she would go barefoot and take Orion with her, carry him to the lake. One of the things that we learned was that Hazel's father, Hugh Ramsey, he actually built some lakes up there that are still there today. They used them for irrigation and other things. Well, later on, we'll talk about one of the lakes. Yeah. Because it had some importance to Hazel. Mm -hmm. So um, Hazel was an incredibly productive and busy woman at this time in her life. Young woman at this time in her life. And she did a lot of this alone because Frank was also super busy. He was. I wrote down some of the things Frank would do because that's why he stopped writing the diary. He became so busy. He worked um, building trails, helped work on the lakes. He would guide for people. He took long trips to Estes Park and he would stay over two weeks there. Um, Hunted, fished, trapped. She said he made maps too. So Frank was an incredibly busy man and he was gone away from home quite a bit. Yeah, because in 1915, he became one of the first rangers of the Rocky Mountain National Park. There was three and he was one of those. So not only was he doing work to keep their homestead going, he was also working for the National Park Service. He was. And they mentioned four different trails that Frank worked on. Mummy Pass, Horseshoe Trail, Lost Lake Trail, and Stormy Peak. And I'm sure there were others. But those are some of the trails that he had to create, actually. Yes, and they also strung a telephone wire so that they could have communications. And repairing that wire when there was windfalls and things like that took up quite a bit of his time. So these were busy, hardworking people. And she was raising a child and then... She became pregnant with the second one. With the second one. And there's an entry before um, we read the entry about um, her being pregnant that she wrote about. um, That's It's quite the charming entry about a little bit of Hazel's character and what Frank had asked her to do. That's going to be a good one. (laughs) So you can imagine Hazel uh, growing up the way she did up there, raising... Her brothers and sisters, um, the hard life that she led, uh, she pretty much had a mind of her own. And I want to read you this uh, wonderful passage. It's on January 9th, 1917. It is so stormy today. Frank stayed home, and he has promised to give me $5 each month if I control my temper and don't get mad. If I do, I don't get the money. And I am to get all of my clothes and dishes and linen and whatever I need in the house with it. So if I get mad every month except one or two, I won't get very many things. So I will have to be careful. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing that a lot of listeners here are not thinking that that's such a great thing. Nowadays, um, most ladies would find that offensive. Well, would you give me five dollars a month if I could? I'd give you ten. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just love that entry because um, it just shows a little bit of a spunk that Hazel had, and you can imagine 
you know, not only uh, raising her own children, but she had two of her brothers, her younger brothers, Hugh and Herb, that also she talks about in the diary coming around a lot. They loved shooting guns. They loved, they ran off at one time with their backpacks and they couldn't find them. So she was also still taking care of her siblings. So it was quite the life. Well, not only did Hazel have a youngster to care for, but she became pregnant with her second. And eventually uh, she left Pingree and went back down into the valley so that she could give birth down in town. And so on November 16th, 1917, she gives birth to her second boy named King. And she was staying with her mother-in-law, Frank's mom, during that whole time. And part of the things that she had written about after he was born was Orion, her firstborn, was mischievous. And a couple times she found King smothered in her cold cream because that was kind of a thing he liked to do. I so, love that. Yeah. I could just imagine you find this little, little baby covered in white cream. Yes. His little brother. Yes. So just one month after giving birth to King, Hazel's ready to go back up to the place. And Sally's going to read a couple entries that Hazel made uh, about getting back up there. So remember, King was born just one month earlier. And here is her December 18th, 1917 entry. We left Mother's this morning at 8 o'clock. Harry got there before we were ready. Mother rode with us until we caught up with Frank. Then we changed over and got in our covered wagon, which is a Denver dry goods delivery wagon, and started for home. Then Harry and Mother went back to their homes. We got into the government station this night, got our supper, and went to bed. Baby rode in his basket all day and slept all the time except when nursing. It was nice and warm all day, and we were sheltered so good too. But the wagon felt as if it would tip easily because it is very high. We met Mr. Rockwell, Tom Bennett, and two Dickinsons going down with a load today as we were coming up. December 19th. 1917. We left the government station this morning and got here at Mrs. Lake's place after one o'clock. We unloaded the trunks at the foot of the hill where we leave the main road going home, then came on to Mrs. Lake's. Frank had his dinner then, and then he went to look over the road onto our place and do some shoveling if he had time. We have got this far without any accident, and now I feel I will get home this winter for sure for I am only four miles of home, and I can walk and pack baby that far if I have to, but I don't think I will have to. Frank had to shovel snow for an hour on the Tom Ford place to get through, which is Bennett's place now. Baby and Orion were very cross tonight. Well, getting home was quite a hardship, but that is not where things stopped. Things continued. They did. They really did. Daily life. Well, they had five more children. And the sad part is, in 1924, they had a set of twins. And whooping cough killed the infant babies. And you'll see a photo on the podcast extras uh, showing a grave uh, site that's right there on the property. And it's got little lambs on top of the stones. Five of them. Five of them. And that is uh, the two twins and the three siblings. 
From, so, from the Ramses. From the Ramses. Yeah, her siblings, Hazel's. That, Hazel's siblings. That's yeah. a precious photo. It's possible that visitors can see that on the hike. I'm not quite sure. We haven't determined that to be for sure, but that it's possible you can actually see the gravesite. That would be amazing. It really would be. And there was a time when she thought she might lose that site, but it was preserved, thankfully. Yes, yes. There there were some issues with college expansion, possibly, and there were some issues that they had to deal with, and she talks about that on the audio tape. Mm-hmm. And just that photo, when you look at it, is a testimony of the hardships that Hazel went through. Yeah, she was a remarkable lady. There's another thing that I thought very, very profound. And there's a plaque on the wall of the original cabin. And it said some of Hazel's favorite verses. And this is a verse, two verses actually, from a poem that was one of Hazel's favorites. This poem was written by Sam Walter Foss, and it's uh, written in 1898. And these are the first two verses that are written on the plaque in the cabin. There are hermit souls that live withdrawn in the peace of their self-content. There are souls like stars that dwell apart in a fellowless firmament. There are pioneer souls that blaze their paths where the highways never ran. But let me live by the side of the road and be a friend to man. At the end of the audio recording, Jonathan Anderson asks Hazel, Do you like your life, huh? You think you had a good life? And here's Hazel. No, well, I've had a good life, but it's been a lonely life for myself. Yeah. I haven't had a, a partner that I should have had, because he had he had, had his fling and went up to north and had the whole uh, and, and you you didn't have didn't have a chance I didn't to get have out. A childhood, yeah. I mean, to get away, and I was yeah. from mother death into that. I was responsible for the children, and but the children as liked it, and they. But then, if I hadn't had to make a living, it would have been easier for mm-hmm. me. And I wore myself out of here. But I still would rather live here than in the valley, and it hurts me that if I have, can't come back up, I don't want to live if I can't come back up here this summer. Because I can't stand the heat, and neither can I stand it, so maybe I'll get to if I can get over this. If it just gives me four or five more years, God lets me have that long, I'll get a cabin that I can come up. So that audio interview was done in August of 1974. And it was conducted up there at the place in Pingree Park. And she had talked about wanting to get back up there again. And we're not sure that she did because she passed away eight months later. She had also spoken about Lawn Lake, and that's L-A-W-N, as being one of the lakes that her father had helped build. And she had hoped that she would be able to get there and see it someday. Well, she didn't. And we found a recording. It's through the National Park Service. And it was done at Lawn Lake. And so as we end the podcast, what you're hearing in the background is taken from Lawn Lake. And that's for Hazel.
So you know now why I said in the beginning that Hazel and Frank and the entire family hold such a big place in our hearts. And I hope uh, you got a little bit of taste of um, how we feel and what Hazel was like. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Diary Discoveries. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can do that at diarydiscoveries at gmail.com. For more information about Sally and her diaries, go to sallysdiaries.com.